Hello, everybody. Welcome to Following Jesus with Christ Church. My name is Andrew Vandermoss, one of the pastors at Christ Church. And I'm Addison Hawkins, friend, colleague, and co-host with Andrew. Over the next 20 minutes or so, we hope to share some observations and some stories about following Jesus from our little perspective here at Christ Church in Grand Rapids. I don't know about those of you who are listening, but I know in the Vandermoss house, uh, we've gone up and down in terms of our own emotions. There are some days when you really are grabbing the proverbial bull by the horns. This is great family time. We love it. And then there are other times where you don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to see another person. You can't wait for our stay at home to be over and it's sort of an up and down. Thankfully in our home, I've had bad days, Lisa's had bad days, they haven't been on the same day, so we're able to keep some sort of uh, the ship afloat in some way. But some of this is just making sense of the journey, and that's what we wanted to talk about today. So we invited to be with us Miriam Engler. Uh, she and her husband Bob are longtime members of Christ Church and uh, just a great friends to many, a great resource to all of us. And, and Miriam, as a therapist, uh, thinks through this journey in terms of stages. So Miriam, great to have you with us today. Great to be here. Yeah. We uh, just check in. We love to hear how are you doing? You, Bob, Nevaeh, you guys surviving? Yes, we are surviving. We are surviving with many of the same ways everybody else is by waiting until that weather's nice and there's sun outside and, and getting outside and finding new activities and doing a lot of telehealth um, with my clients as well as with friends. So it's definitely intentional, but yes, we are surviving. Yeah, for sure. That is definitely the way it's working in the Hawkins household as well. Intentional is have to be the, the word of the, the month, if you will, the last month. Intentional about everything. Well, that's good. So like Andrew said, we wanted to talk through what he had referenced as sort of the stages of grief and what those are. And you know, could you just explain for our listeners, you know, what are the stages of grief? Um, traditionally, there have been five but I and many other professionals find it much more accurate and helpful to discuss six descriptions of grief mm -hmm. instead of five stages. The reason for this is that quote unquote stages are not linear. You don't go from one and then you finish it and you go to the next one, you go to the next one. They're much more descriptions of how we do the grief journey. Um, the original five that, um, that we have talked about for a long time, first one is denial, and that is simply saying, ah, this isn't really that bad, or maybe it didn't really happen. This is like when um, the doctor comes to tell you that your spouse has died, and you go, oh, no, you have the wrong person. Mm. Denial is a very strong defense mechanism. Mm. But it is one way we get through grief because our minds can only handle so much loss at a time. And sometimes the only way we can deal with it is denying the reality of it. The next one that gets discussed is anger. 
and anger um, right now there's a lot of anger at China and there's a lot of anger at governors and there's a lot of anger at Trump and there's a lot of anger at I can't believe that person is out we're not supposed to be out we're supposed to be um, sheltering so anger comes out in a lot of different ways um, it also comes out towards ourselves why did I have to go to Myers a second time? I shouldn't have done that. That was stupid. Or I can't believe that little kiddo escaped me and was over talking to their neighbor across the way. Mm. Um, a lot of self-blame, a lot of I can't do this perfectly. So anger comes out towards other people as well as towards ourselves. A third descriptor of grief is bargaining. And that's like, well, maybe if I clean my house enough times and use enough sanitizer, I can make sure we definitely will not get the COVID virus. Now, I'm not saying those things aren't maybe good things to do, but they are stages of grief. Um, that's just one example. Another descriptor is sadness. And sadness is just being willing to feel the loss. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that might mean but actually feel it, feel it in your heart. And believe it or not, your body registers the feelings too. And being willing to be aware of the sensations. Um, the fifth descriptor is acceptance. And that's simply as the word sounds, moving on, being willing to have plans for the future, being willing to even enjoy the present. Mm. That can be hard to do when there's a lot of losses in the present too. The sixth that only recently has been suggested um, and actually has been accepted by the Kubler-Ross Foundation, the, and Kubler-Ross was where these, the five stages came, is called finding meaning. And I think that as Christians, this is actually the part of grieving that can empower us to get through the other stages. Well, what do I mean by finding meaning? Um, I'll look at it theologically quickly for a second, and then later on we'll talk about it in a real practical kind of way. Um, it means that you are willing to look at the fact that right now, today, whatever day this is that this gets broadcast, or that you listen to it, God is still all-powerful. God is still working out his plans specific to you, specific to me. He's still running it. He's not away from the wheel. And that God is loving us and caring for us in the very best way possible. That all sounds so lofty and theological and true. But it, if you believe it, if you find ways to make that real in your life, it actually gives power to work through those, those other five descriptors. Yeah, absolutely. That stuff, it's so good to hear that. You know, a lot of times we think about grief, certainly when a loved one dies or whatever. I've had that in, in our own life and can kind of identify how those different stages play out. Like right now, we're in the midst of this pandemic, sheltering in place. So you don't think of sort of a single event as triggering grief in sort of the same way. But as you talk about some of these different 
uh, what was the word you used? Not stages, but descriptors. descriptors of grief. As you talk about the different descriptors of grief, I can definitely relate to them both on a corporate level, you know, even the denial of the, the power of COVID or all of these types of things, the sadness that comes. And I like what you said too about it not being linear, uh, that you can experience these in different ways. You want to speak to any more of that, just specifically to the pandemic? Um, I think we've seen it in the pandemic. I think at first you saw even government officials as well as individuals saying, oh no, go to the restaurants, go do this, go do that. Um, and now you see people protesting, like in Lansing last week, um, you know, protesting, this is too much. Well, I'm not... I don't know if it's too much or not. I'm not putting myself in that position. But I know that those, those descriptors of grief, the denial, the bargaining, are part of the dynamics of what is going on in more of a cultural way as right. well as our individual lives. And it seems like it's, I mean, like one of the reasons we wanted to have this conversation is it's, it's helpful to be self-aware. Uh, as, as we go through these things, like if we're not aware that these descriptors sort of exist, we could find ourselves in a spot and, and really have no context. Well, why, why do I feel this way? Whether it's angry or sad or whatever, not realizing that we're in the midst of this. I think one of the things I find in my own practice is when I start to describe that there is a way to understand grief, it doesn't make the grief go away. But sure. people realize they're not crazy. They realize they're not just swimming in muck, that there really is something going on. It's sort of like if you have a complex fracture on your leg and the doctor tells you, okay, this is gonna happen and then that's gonna happen and then that's gonna happen and then you're gonna go to PT it's sort of like, okay, I'm going somewhere. I'm not crazy. And th that's what the, the stages of grief do. Yeah. So let's just say I find myself in a situation where I recognize maybe one of these descriptors in my own life. What, what should I do? Where should I look? Um, where should I look? The first place to look is inside a little bit. Um, the more you can name what's happening inside yourself as opposed to just experiencing it, the more you can then start to make choices about that. So if you're just, you know, blah, and you don't know what's going on, just leave me alone. If you take some time and look at that, you might be feeling hopeless. And then you go, okay, what am I going to do with that? Am I going to just live in it? And there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not enough. That's a starting a place, especially for us as Christians. So the other side is that people right away go, I'm going to the scripture. I am going to believe this, which of course I believe in. But Jesus, if you look at Jesus, if you look at Job, if you look at Habakkuk, if you look at any of these guys, they grieved. They felt all those things. Right. 
and they went to scripture. They didn't do one or the other, they did both. And we tend to not allow ourselves mm. from a great Presbyterian background, of which I was born in, um, we tend to not let ourselves feel it. We just use scripture as a blanket rather than trusting that God can actually help us work through the feelings. Yeah, that's great. Fantastic. Yeah, that, that, you know, I think about how important this is just on a practical level, identifying where we are, beginning to assess and, and, and move in a direction that is healthy. I wonder about going forward, you know, as we think about where we are. And we have some hope that in the next few weeks that some of our restrictions will be lifted and we'll have a little bit more um, a little bit more license to go about and do things. Uh, how do we expect sort of people's emotions to be as we go forward? Is there any way to speak to that at all? Um, yeah, I think there is. And most of us aren't going to like it. As we move <laughs> forward, we're going to experience more loss because we're going to realize that we think we're going back to the way it was. And the way it was from everything I have read is not going to be the way it will be. Mm. That this is going to be a journey and we maybe don't quite know where that journey is going to end. So we are going to continue to experience loss, which means we will continue to experience grief. At the same time, we may be experiencing freedoms that we don't have yet. So if we go into the future, it's like, everything's going to be fine come May 30th. I, I think we're in for some real surprises. I think that journey of loss will continue. When someone has lost a, a major loss in their life, like a loved one, our research tells us that they don't really work through grief for two to five years. Wow. wow. That would be normal. So for us to think we're going to actually be through this by the end of May or the beginning of June is just not realistic. Yeah. Those are some really sobering things. I mean, just to put an exclamation point on, on a couple of the things that you said. So going forward is going to be experiencing more loss yeah. and it's a journey. You know, the grieving process can sometimes take two to five years. That really really puts things in perspective. I, I, I don't think that that is necessarily just gloom and doom, though, because part of what you've talked about is finding meaning. So as you think about that, uh, what does it look like for us to maybe find meaning in this? Um, I think it goes back to um, acknowledging those biblical truths that you preach from the pulpit, both of you preach to us from the pulpit on a regular basis. You can hear it all over Gospel Coalition and you hear lots about the truth of who God is and who we are. But to then go, how do I live in that so that I find meaning in all this? And I've said this, I'm gonna do this in a little bit more of a um, linear way now. Uh -huh. um, I've said it sort of as we've talked. Some of it is being willing to notice your own thoughts and feelings, being aware of them, bringing them to God, just like Jacob wrestled with God. That's what we need to do. 
we need to bring them there as opposed to let them just ferment inside ourselves. We do that through lots of practices, the, the disciplines that we talk about all the time at church. But one of the main ways that God has given us to show us grace is his body. So we need to talk to others. We need to talk to family, friends, church members um, about what we're going through. It allows us to, again, distance from it, label it, and start to actually work through it. But without some self-awareness, Andrew, you mentioned that at the beginning of this podcast. Right. Without self-awareness, we're just sort of swimming in a foggy sea. But right. with that self-awareness, we can keep working through things. And I think another um, major thing we need to do in finding meaning is what I would just call acts of faith. If mm -hmm. we believe this, we have to start acting like it. And on a real personal level, that may be going outside when you're depressed, waking, waking your senses. In, in psychology today, they talk about being grounded all the time. Mm. And I don't agree with everything about that, but boy, going outside grounds you in the present. Right. Your senses become alive. You can start saying, look at what God gave me. Look at mm. the, the sun and the wind and those things that help me stay where I'm at. Um, grounded in being thankful for what he has done and grounded in going, okay, what can I do as a servant? What gifts have I had? That's one of the reasons I said yes to doing the podcast is like, God, I've been praying. How can I care for people? And if mm. I can care through people by helping out with the podcast, I need to do that. Mm. Yeah. Oh, we're thankful you have. I mean, that's some of those practical things are so helpful because there are people who find themselves feeling a way they've probably not felt before, maybe not recognized that feeling before. You mentioned going outside in your senses coming alive. I had this, this feeling the other day, I'd been on Zoom calls probably, you know, a couple hours of the day or whatever. And I went outside and I could literally feel my eyeballs change and I could feel the way that the, the, the wind was hitting my skin. You just felt this very, physical change from just sitting in front of a computer screen to right. being outside. And it was just remarkable what it did for my spirits and, and what it did for my, uh, for the way that I interacted with people, my family and those around us. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, we are really grateful that you did uh, come on and we want you to know that we are praying for you and Bob Nevea as you navigate through these things. You know, you started at the beginning just talking about recognizing the sovereignty of God and uh, those truths just come through. I just think of a, a couple of different passage. I've been struck by Hebrews 1, 3, that where it talks about Jesus who is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the world of his word, word of his power. Boy, I butchered that reading, uh, but uh, you know, just that idea that Jesus is upholding the universe by the word of his power, or the same thing in Colossians one: uh, Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
like one of the great things that we can do as Christians is keep coming back to these truths and allowing them to be our, our rock and allowing them to buttress us whatever stage we find ourselves in, whether it's denial or anger or depression or acceptance. And I know I forgot one in there, finding meaning, you know, we can, uh, we can find ourselves rooted in Jesus. So thank you for reminding us of that. And thank you for helping us understand ourselves a little bit better. Can I pray for you before we go? That'd be great. Awesome. Lord, we're so grateful for a few minutes uh, with Miriam today. We're grateful for her sharing her wisdom and, and just uh, for the sister in Christ that she is to so many of us. Um, Lord, we pray a rich blessing on her and on Bob and on Nevaeh as they are navigating these days. We pray that you would uh, sustain them in health uh, and that you would also give them uh, the creativity, all that they stand in need of to, to make it through each day. Bless her practice and the people that she comes into contact with there. And Father, we do pray as well for us, for our listeners, as we recognize these stages or these, um, uh, these occasions of grief in us. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be honest with where we are uh, and in that honesty to always come to you to grieve, but also to find our joy and our confidence as we go forward. Thank you, Jesus, uh, that you uphold all things by the word of your power. We pray it all in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you want more from Christ Church, you can find us at our website, ChristChurchGR.org. That's ChristChurchGR.org. And while you're there, check out the Staying Connected During COVID-19. You can find other resources, you can find our latest podcasts, home worship guide, and other great things to stay connected during this time. You can find this podcast at any of your regular podcasting outlets, whether that's through Apple iTunes or through the Google Play Store. We're so glad you checked in. We hope to see you next time.